0: Welcome to another Collective Conversation. I am here today with Caroline Ferguson. She is the Vice President at Southwest Utility Solutions. I am Mike Brewer and I'm your host today. And a little bit about Caroline Ferguson, or Caroline rather, sorry about that Caroline, uh, before we allow her to uh, give us a little bit more is that she is a highly motivated, focused, and passionate, uh, she is an entrepreneur with a heart, uh, with a passion to help people pursue their personal dreams, Uh, She is a fast learner, accustomed to high-pressure multitasking environments. I believe that to be true, Uh, given that she has a one-year-old, and we'll talk about that in a little bit, uh, fueled by a commitment to make an impact. I'm constantly seeking connections with people in the community and pursuing opportunities to help those around me, uh, along with myself, to grow. Uh, She also likes to see someone else succeed and to know that they are aided in making that possible and seeing results uh, is what she loves, uh, and that's how she defines happiness. That is an awesome definition of happiness, in my opinion. Uh, She takes her community and LinkedIn very seriously. I can echo that as well. She is engaged. Uh, I see her face a lot in my whatever that thing is called, newsreel. Um, She's also the podcast host of a very popular uh, podcast, Solutions by Southwest Utility. I think we were on that a couple of years ago.
1: Yes, a few Uh, years ago. Yeah, you
0: were my first guest. Yes. Oh, I didn't know. I forgot about that. Years ago. Yes, sir. (laughs) I love it. And she is also, like we mentioned, a new mom uh, to Adeline. So, Carolyn, welcome to the show. Mike, thank
1: you so much for having me. I was telling my team last week how fun and how exciting it is that we were going to sit down and chat um, here on your show because so many years ago, it feels like now, it feels like a lifetime ago, I was flying to Georgia on my first ever, I can tell you this now because we're we're past it, but my first ever Ever trip by myself out of the state of Texas was to come see you to sit down and record on my show and I remember walking and I'm like oh my god me and this little microphone and this laptop god almighty I am so nervous but it was so fun and you were so great and so when I told my team today I'm like guess who I'm talking to <laughs> Brewer. they were like no way so I'm thrilled to be here thank you for having me
0: Oh yeah. No, I, I, I am delighted. And I, I will tell you, I had no idea, or at least I don't recall at this precise moment that we were the first episode or, or I was the first uh, guest on your show. Um, You, you, uh, you did it like a champion. I, I would not mm-hmm. have known the difference. It's like the, it was like the 400th episode felt like.
1: <laughs> oh, thank you, Mike. I appreciate that. Thank you. It's fun. I echo your passion for connections and relationships, I think. And when you can, break down the walls of just connecting with people, I, I think you get a little bit of a leg up. And not to say that I'm good at that, but it's something I strive to be good at. And so it it helps that, that element of fake it till you make it a little bit when you genuinely care about who you're talking to and like, hey, I'm just here to hear your story, right? And I really appreciate um, hearing other people's stories, especially with somebody who didn't come into the industry with any, any experience or connections. Sitting down with people of impact and people of influence was it was really important. So thank you for being willing to spend the time with a, a newbie and um being you know open and real and vulnerable and sharing your story and perspectives and all that good stuff. So all that so to say, I'm pumped to be here.
0: I, I want to dig into that a little bit. Um it, this came up recently in a I was doing another episode I can't remember who I was talking to, and I I'm sorry, I'll cite it uh, hopefully in the show notes, but um there's this interesting topic um in so I'm gonna use myself as an example. So this is not an ego thing, it's just I'm yeah. using this to jump off jump off uh into a conversation. And so I I hold the chief operating officer title at the radco companies. And and the person I was talking to said that is an intimidating title, right? And so by sure. extension, you're an intimidating person. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness, I like if you only knew, not right. that intimidating. <laughs> but but I, I got the point in that, hey. COO next to someone's name is intimidating. You reached out to me, even though I had this title and you wanted to come to town to do the show, you felt the fear and you did it anyway, which is a book title, but help me help our audience kind of walk them through the journey of, oh my gosh, my heart's beating a thousand miles an hour. I'm reaching out to this person (laughs) who holds it. Walk us through that journey and, and what prompted you to like, go ahead and do it.
1: Yeah, no, that's a, I love that we're talking about this because I feel like (laughs) now when I network with people who have been in the industry for years and years and years, I feel like this is the story that I have to open with because they say, who are you again? Um, you know, when I, and so I'll give you a little background here. It'll help me answer the question better if that's okay. (laughs) Um, when I graduated from the University of Houston in, in 2018, I had been with my team for about a year, um, working part-time while finishing up my bachelor's degree. And I, up until that point, you know, was working, I think at one point I had like three jobs. I, my husband and I had just got married. I had been on my own for a while. And so I was right? Just trying to pay my bills, trying to support my family. And I'm trying really hard. And it it had been, um, it, it was a non-negotiable for me to support and to provide. And it's just part of the, the DNA and the makeup of who I am, I guess, as you know, many of us, that's how it is. And so anyway, I have always had this itch for entrepreneurship and long story short, was connected with the owner of our company who shares that same itch hit things off and was challenged with creating an intentional growth effort for our company, which had organically grown for decades leading up to the point that I came on. Now, mind you, you're talking about a senior in college who was studying entrepreneurship, which for many is the equivalent of getting a degree in soccer, like what the heck is that? Um, And now you're challenging them or giving them an opportunity to say, yeah, you're hungry and scrappy, go build something, right? There is no experience, there is no there is nothing. There is just willingness, right? And maybe a little more grit than most. Um, and so when I graduated and stepped into a full-time seat with um, the company, it became evident to me very, very soon, or very quickly, rather, that um this industry is huge, but this industry is small. And everybody knows everybody and everybody is connected and relationships are really important. And while we serve a very intimate thing, and that is people's homes, we are also very intimately connected as owners, investors, management partners, and supplier partners. And I didn't have any of that. I didn't have any of that intimacy. And I was intimidated by the lack of intimacy. And I was overwhelmed by the lack of intimacy, but I knew spearheading any sort of growth effort, growth being sales, brand awareness, relationships, growth being growth, right? Like, let's not, like, let's not put growth under just the label of sales. It's growth in all, in all regards, right? I knew that in order to have any sort of success (coughs) at that, right, whether it be in a year, five, 10, or 20, we had to have relationships with people. And so, yeah, the fear was, overwhelming. I mean, I had never been on a plane by myself. I had never gotten a rental car by myself, Mike. Like I had never done any of those (laughs) things, but here's the deal, right? I knew, I knew that if I wasn't willing to be scared, to be intimidated, to be overwhelmed and to feel a little bit out of my comfort zone in order to build the relationship or plant the seed for the relationship today, I would never have it when I needed it. Right. I like, and it, the reality is and I hate, I hate that we categorize growth just in the sales bucket because it's not, yeah. it's so growth is growth. It's more than that, right? Like you and I have a relationship. You and I don't do business together, but you and I have a relationship, right? That's and right. There's, there's fruit there and there's value there. And I knew like, I want to be able to say, Mike Brewer is a phenomenal human being. I would love to learn from him. I want to be trusted by him. I want to be able to trust Mike Brewer because he's a person of influence and impact in our industry. And so that was worth overcoming the, you know, gut wrenching anxiety that was getting on a plane by myself. Um, but I, I, I did, and um, it, it was worth it to build the relationship or to at least plant the initial seed. Right. That was a long answer, so I'm so sorry.
0: <laughs> no, no apologies necessary. We're long form here, so be a, be as long winded as you want to. I, you know, it did it did bring to mind this sort of law of the farm. And just to, the reader's digest version versus the law of the farm is, <clears throat> you, you know, you use planting the seeds. That's part of the law of the farm. But you you sort of cultivate the land. You you uh, right. do the rows, You plant the seeds. You you water. You fertilize. You do all of those things. And right. at some point, that yields a harvest, right? And so, to your point, that you and I have never done business together, that doesn't mean that we might not do business in the future together. And it doesn't sure. mean that my My sphere of influence might be looking for a solution one day and I go, oh, hey, Um, I know someone, right?
1: right. You're totally right. And you know, what's interesting when the world shut down a couple of years ago and we were all working from our homes, um, you know, I'm a part of an executive coaching group here in Houston and one of my colleagues who has nothing to do with our industry. I mean, he is in the financial advising space, the wealth building space. I mean, he is. It, just something completely different, right? We got together and we're both equally passionate about LinkedIn and decided that we were going to start helping people um, become relevant on LinkedIn in an authentic way, help them build community for for the the population of people who had never been intentional about the platform before. And so we did. We hosted trainings and calls and all this stuff and we're teaching people about LinkedIn and we're teaching people what felt like common sense, but it wasn't. And that is, how do you be authentic online? How do you create intentional, real connections with people when you can't see them face-to-face? And my point in bringing that up was, you know, one of the ways that LinkedIn works and really the power behind its algorithm, if you will, is the way that LinkedIn will organically promote content to second and third degree networks. So while you and I, right, you and I might, we may never do business together, but it doesn't mean that there's not somebody in my network that won't benefit from what you have to say. And so because you and I have built, you know, rapport and LinkedIn sees we're engaging with each other, it will naturally and organically promote you and what you have to say with people that you may not be directly connected with that are within my network. And that's in the context of LinkedIn, but the same, I think, applies to real life, right? Like the sphere of influence that we have and, and the impact that the trust that you and I build with one, one another, the effect that it has on like kind of the outskirts of our communities, it's real. There's real impact to be had there.
0: It, it, that, that's right. And it, as I, I, it, you sort of buttoning up that remark, it, it, it made me think you and I, if if I'm not mistaken, have not spoke either over video or phone or any other communication mechanism aside from LinkedIn from the moment in time that we did that episode to today. Yeah. But but in terms of a relationship we picked up right where we left off 2 years ago but but in part or probably mostly because we've engaged a little bit here and there on LinkedIn over the last couple of years and yep. we, we have to disclose this very funny story so <laughs> we're, we're getting on today. And I'm like killing a spider and having oh, like a little kid moment.
1: Brutally murdering a spider. I mean, I thought my right out of the chair. Yeah.
0: yeah. And Caroline pops onto the screen and I'm like killing a spider and she thinks I'm having a heart attack and it was terrible. Anyway, but <laughs> not not the point. The point was we literally picked up where, where we had left off in terms of feeling very comfortable not having to break the ice and things of that nature. Is that that's fair to say that LinkedIn was really the conduit.
1: A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And you know, I think that was the missing piece that um, we were able to empower people to know and to believe and to educate them on during, during really the shutdown that was COVID was, you know, while you maybe haven't invested a lot of time in this platform historically, because you've had the opportunity and the privilege and the ability to see everybody in person, which is what we all want. This is also very powerful, but, you know, it becomes very saturated and, and inundated with inauthenticity and that's just gross and spam. And, you know, that's why whenever you asked me that original question, how did you overcome that fear? It's important for me to note, like growth is more than sales. Like you can grow in ways beyond sales LinkedIn, while it could can be used for sales and many very successful people use it in that way. There are a million different intentional ways that you can use LinkedIn and should be using LinkedIn to build and to foster and to harvest community and relationships. And, you know, this is the platform that I use to connect with some of my most closest colleagues that I don't get to see all the time and, you know, how sad, it would be if at any point I compromised my integrity or my reputation and decided, no, this is just a sales medium at this point. Like, and this is the only way I have to communicate with these people. That'd be horrible. Be horrible.
0: Oh, yeah. You would unstitch every stitch you put into building the fabric of your, your network.
1: <laughs> well, no, but seriously, and it all goes back to trust. If I can't, you know, like <laughs> if I can't build trust, then I, I don't want you to do business with me. I don't. I, right? Like, and I also don't really want you to do community with me. And I don't think I'd want to do community with you either. You know?
0: Yeah, yeah. And I, I think that's an incredibly fair statement. And it's, you know, it's it's tough. I think I think it's a little bit tough in the sense that um, we're all human too, right? Sure. And from time to time, we we walk like we have two left feet, and yeah, we act out of character sometimes or out of our what would be a, a true north character and. And so I, I do agree with you 100%, but I also think there is a little bit of room for, hey, let's take this offline for a second. I feel like we were, here's the story I'm telling myself about something you've said. Er- Eric Brown is a perfect example of this for, for me. I don't know if you know Eric Brown or
1: not. I don't, but I'm excited <clears throat> to hear.
0: You should get connected with Eric Brown. He's a wonderful guy. So Eric and Eric and I used to get really cross on Twitter and, and uh, this is why I'm really dating myself, but we, we used to get really cross with one another. And, but we would always, uh, come back through private messaging channels and say, you know what? I, I was out of bounds there. <laughs> and, That's great though. Yeah. And it, I think it reignited, it, it further cemented trust because we yeah. could be vulnerable we could admit our fault, we could get past it, and we could move on. So sometimes that kind of stuff does happen in, in trust building.
1: A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And and I think we've been given a really incredible platform to use authentically. Um, I think that you know, when I look at my generation, which I don't even know what my, my group of people's class, are we Gen X? Or are we Gens? I have no idea. Like I'm the, part of the born in 96 group. So whatever we are, um, Gen 20 y. Something year olds. Okay. Them, us, that's me. I'm um, no,
0: pretty sure you're Gen Y.
1: <laughs> perfect. The, the me's then of the industry or of, of the professional space. I think that we like to think of ourselves as more digitally inclined and more interested in doing life digitally. Um, I don't know if we're good at it. <laughs> I, <laughs> I think we want to be. And I think we are conditioned to believe that we are because we're younger and like, oh, this is how, you know, we were raised with phones in our hands and accessibility to tablets and phones or uh, computers and the internet and. The fact that that wasn't a thing before i was born is still like what the heck that does like that's dinosaur time you know what i mean like not to be disrespectful but it feels like dinosaur time but um I, I kid i kid um but i i think we i said so i speak collectively here and and it could be out, out of line but i have lots of friends who are my age <laughs> i think we collectively want to believe that we're really good at connecting on these platforms but I don't know if we are and I can appreciate being challenged and I can really appreciate um shutting up sometimes. You know?
0: Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, it's it's interesting. I I'm uh so I'm fifty, right? I and I'm I forget where that puts me. Like I'm not a baby boomer, I'm the one that like a gin uh, gen X, I think.
1: Who yeah, I think so. Yeah.
0: Gen X so, and I'm a I'm a wannabe Y. <laughs> and <laughs> And it's uh, I have been attracted to the to the Gen Y generation in part because they are so technically inclined, and and they like to build uh, relationships online, Um, but they also like to parlay that with relationships in person. So um, I I think they do. I I think there might be this sort of dynamic, and I'm making this up on the fly, is that they live a little bit of a divided life, and that there is this. Lots of online, and even when we're in person, we're still online. And you can see that as evidence by walking into a restaurant; everybody's on their phone. And that—that's not right. just Gen Y; that's everybody. But sure, it might might be a little bit of that. But I—I I just have a tremendous appreciation for for the youth and the energy that Gen Y brought along, and now Gen Z is bringing along. And I—I I, uh, who knows? I everybody's making it up every day.
1: Yeah, <laughs> and, right? and- exactly.
0: And I think as long as you, you sort of try to get true north values, uh, you know, it however you define your values, however you come up with your values, if you live true north to those values, I think you you are gonna be okay when you're when you're out there online. No, I it's think you're totally
1: right. No, I think you hit it right on the head. I think consistency has a lot to do with it. True. How am I showing up in person? How am I showing up online? You know, we did this really great exercise whenever I was at U of H and um, the program that I was a part of was the <laughs> Uh, the entrepreneurship school that was there. And that, you know, I mentioned like a degree in soccer is kind of what it feels like sometimes. But it was an incredible experience. And I say that lately, it's the number one undergraduate entrepreneurship program in the United States. Like I say it like it's just some of this little thing. It's actually a great program. Okay. I I don't, I mean, the Wolf Center is absolutely amazing. But when you meet somebody who doesn't <clears throat> no, or hasn't heard of it before it, it feels like i'm saying i have a degree in flag football like <laughs> what does that mean you're going to hire somebody who knows how to value and and to sell your company like what? no that you're not gonna right <laughs> that's weird um all that to say one of the classes i mean no it's a life-changing program in fact it's how i met and was able to get integrated with this company is because of um, a mutual connection within the wolf center but anyway i digress my point being one of the classes that we were required to take that was led within the Wolfson was called our purpose class and the objective was making sure that there was alignment in what we loved what our values were and what our activity was and what we were doing and we were asked to graph like show yourself because it was an ex- it was a it was a reflection exercise show yourself what are the things you're physically doing right what are your desires what is a desirable activity look like for you and what are you doing today and then go ahead and graph what you care about and what's important to you and how you want to show up and what your values are and is there alignment and it was it was really helpful because i think showing up consistently and showing up in a way that is aligned with who i am here and who i am at home and who i am by myself is really important. Um, and that's like, that always feels like, um, challenges at the right word, but I think that that's ever progressing, right? Like I always want to become a better version of me. Sure. Um, but I also always want to make sure that I'm striving to become a better version of me in all places, a better wife, a better leader, a better mother, a better coworker, a better colleague, a better follower, you know? Right. Um, So, yeah, I would agree. I think the energy that um, my generation brings is exciting and awesome um, and fabulous. It's just how do we, like, let's take, it's like this atomic bomb, right? Like, oh, there's so much. Just point it in the right direction. (laughs) Spin the (laughs) missile off in the right way. Like, don't just just (laughs) leave it to its own devices. It might just implode on itself and then create mass chaos. But if you can focus it and you can be intentional about the direction that it's going in, (laughs) It could be unstoppable.
0: I, I I cannot agree more, and I I think it it is. <clears throat> I think the when you when you delineate the various generations that exist in the world today, be it traditionalists or baby boomers or Gen X and Gen Y and Gen Z, it's <clears throat> the 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 generation in advance of yours, whether it be two layers removed or one layer removed, is in my head at least. And this is probably because I'm 50 and I'm crossing into this sort of land of hey, it's time for you to start thinking about how to give back. And, and it's not, it's not giving back in the way of telling people what to do. It's, sure. Hey, to your point about helping people sort of channel energy, it's like, I I see the path you want to run down. Here are the boulders that are probably going to crop up. And here are the things that, you know, you potentially might want to think about when you, when you get to those boulders. And by the way, you're probably just going to try to smash through the boulder. That's going to happen. Yeah, right. You're going to do that, <laughs> but, but it, but it's, I think the generations can serve one another really well and it really it comes down to mindset and which I want to use as a segue and, and kind of dive into what you mean by eating yourself and certain growing in certain all areas of your life and i I noticed recently that you post uh you you put a post on LinkedIn about reading you had like five books and if you consumed all of those man that's mind-blowing <laughs> but the one oh. I want to one i want to pick out is the Eater, uh, Leaders Eat Last, the Simon yeah. Sinek book. Yeah. Cool. Tell us what you, you're taking away from that masterpiece.
1: Man, that is such a good book. And I can't wait to finish it. I'm about halfway through now. And it is so good. Like, just so good. Um, I think up until this point, my biggest takeaway is just this constant reiteration that leadership is humility. Like <laughs> leadership is learning when to shut up and and listen. And right. Like my, my mentor says, um, listening is so close to love that most people can't tell the difference. And I would argue that, you know, listen intentionally and you, you should also love your neighbor, but you know, to each their own. Um, the biggest takeaway so far is that leadership is just constant. It's constant humility. And, and also the balance that is that, but also feeling (laughs) bold enough to make hard choices and to, um, I, I like the phrase to fail forward. I know Sinek didn't, didn't coin that phrase, but I like that phrase. He touches on that a lot. He talks a lot about, he just gives so many beautiful stories of, of um, obviously different leaders who were getting last, but, but didn't always do that. Right. And, and, and really screwed up, um, but got a lot better and <laughs> became great role models. Um, you know, I, I think, the name of the book leaders eat last is obviously very telling you know it's funny i think in that same post i shared the the interesting interaction i had with somebody on vacation yeah that. like somebody just walked up and said what is that book you know it, it's not normally a book i see people reading on main street in rosemary beach florida
0: like what is leaders Eat last
1: so you don't mean this isn't just your daily read what do you mean you're not <laughs>
0: Yeah, come on, everyone's doing it.
1: <laughs> You're not reading this with your one year old and husband while eating ice cream. I don't understand. What about the Golden Standard, or what? What? What about um, zero to one? You're not reading any of these books. What? <laughs> Good to great. How about that one, uh, Jim Con? You heard of him? Um. Anyway, this. So this guy walked up. He's like, you know, what? I just I have to know what this book is about. And of course, I'm like on page two, right? I've just. Started that. <laughs> I'm like, well, I'm going to make myself look really bad, sir. But it's about leaders eating last. <laughs> he's like oh that's really interesting i go i i know you and i both have about the same summation of this book because you and i both have only seen the title um but i I think that's the point right it is compelling just by itself and that phrase that leaders do and i would argue should eat last um and, and should they should be failing forward and they should be empowered um and 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 experience boldness that enables them to make hard decisions and i think that's been most challenging as a new leader um feeling like it's okay to make hard decisions it's okay to make hard decisions at a young age that affect people who are older than you um that's been a very interesting dynamic. So, anyway, it's been an incredible book. Incredible book. I absolutely am enjoying it.
0: It's uh, yeah. The in 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 my mind, I I read the book several 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 years ago. Um, but it the thing that comes to mind most, I think, if if I'm not sort of mixing books up, it's uh, it brings servant leadership to mind, yes. and it and it really is how you put yourself uh, you know in in front of your team in times of adversity and behind your team in times of celebration and and you're you're protecting them as much as you're lifting them up but you are bold in, in having you know emotionally loaded conversations in moments of truth sometimes you're telling people things they don't want to like or they don't like but they need to hear <laughs> and that's oh, exactly
1: hard. that's hard it is
0: hard yeah it's and by the way, it's just as hard for uh, people who are older to coach and mentor and train people who are younger. It, that, that same fear exists. For whatever that's worth, it, that same sort of anxiety pops up when you're, when you're adjusting somebody's behavior in the way of narrative, right? That's a, that's a, it's always a hard conversation. And if it's not, that's a problem. <laughs>
1: No kidding, right? Like, there you go. There, There's a little flair of the personality that we probably need to coach a little bit, like it, it should always be challenging. My favorite story was actually the first story that he tells in the book, whenever he's referring to I am going to butcher the technical names of all of these things, but I'm going to panic with broad strokes here. It's like the two, I think they're bomber jets, and they're flying through Afghanistan, and they've got troops down below, that, and their objective is you protect those troops. Like, you make sure that they're okay. You're their eyes above. And it was a cloudy night, I guess, and the first jet, the, the, the first of the two, who could was supposed to be able to see more than anybody else was able to see couldn't see anything because of all the clouds and just the, it was, his view was obstructed. He couldn't see anything, but he just had this gut feeling like I, my team needs me, something's happening. And, and I just, I have got this gut feeling and I get chills thinking about it now because so much of that is leadership. (laughs) Um, Like I just, I, I know I need to protect my people in this moment. I don't know what that looks like and I don't know what that's going to involve, but I know I need to protect my people. And it's my favorite story because his decision saved the lives of everybody that was there that night. And, uh, and it, and it was, he knew, he knew the risk that he was running. It could be all or nothing. And, uh, you know, a quick decision, an intentional decision, a thoughtful decision. Um, saved lives that night. Now, obviously coming to work every day and, and thinking about leadership and the capacity that we serve, it's not always life or death, thank God. What a privilege that is. Um but I right, I think leadership is that as well. It is the, you know, I don't I don't know what this is supposed to look like, but I know that this is what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm supposed to be protecting, serving, guiding, leading loving, caring for this right now, this, this group, these people, this community, this customer, like whatever. Right. Um, and it's, it's very powerful. It is. So it's been an incredible book. I also, the gold standard was one of my absolute favorites. Uh, Colin Cowie's book. I don't know. Have you read the gold standard?
0: I I had not heard of that book until I read it on your LinkedIn page today, but I guarantee I'll order it and I will read it.
1: (laughs) It is so good. I will just mail you my copy because I've got it and I'd I'd love to just give it to you as a thank you. It is, Oh, that's It is, Mike, it's so good. I mean, like it literally, let's see. Yeah, I've got it sitting on my shelf right here. This book right here, like call it if you just want to message me, like look at this little promo you're getting. Um, This book, Mike, that was my, that's been my favorite, favorite book so far. In fact, I started zero to one on my drive to Florida and I got through a a good chunk of it. And that's an easy read, but there's a one-year-old in the back seat who also needs to eat. So um, we took some breaks and then we went, there's a little bookstore where we were staying. And so I went and I picked up Um, leaders eat last and Brene Brown's Atlas of the heart. And so I, which is incredible, right? Incredible. And I bought the gold standard. Yeah. Okay. So that's sitting on my coffee table at home right now. So good. So good. But I picked this one up as well and I started reading all of them, but I ripped through this one in a day. Like I just, I sat back in uh, the carriage house that we were in and I just, I just ripped through it. It was so good. The whole book is about creating memorable moments, creating experiences, creating just it truly providing the gold standard, providing an experience in every moment that you're a part of down, down to the finest details. It's, it, they're important and people remember them. So that's a good one. I'll send you this copy.
0: Oh, that's too kind. I'll send you something in <clears throat> in return. Awesome. Awesome. We'll our- gift exchange. <laughs>
1: Perfect. We'll do, a little, we'll do a little book exchange. We'll just mail each other some books. Don't send me a spider, though. You can keep the spiders. Uh-huh. Atlas of the Heart by Brene Brown is really incredible, though. Brene is so talented, though. Oh, my God.
0: Wow. Yeah. That that book. I, I found myself. I don't know about you. I won't, won't speak for you. I, know, I don't know if you've read the entire thing, but um. Uh, and for, for, those a, for those of for those of you listening and, and watching, that Brene Brown's book, if you haven't read it, is it's chopped up into let's say it's like 80 i don't know 80 or 90 different vignettes uh that that speak to different what i'd consider values she probably has a better word for it but but wow i i found i found every emotion i think there are emotions actually
1: <laughs> i think have the says emotions yeah
0: yeah i found uh i found some emotions that i didn't know i had and i found myself uh being angry and frustrated mm-hmm. and happy and joyful and crying. And her book just ripped it all out. It rips it all out.
1: Yeah. It's it's just classic Brene, right? Like she's just, and she just stumbled into this. I mean, it's like, she just stepped into this. Oh, I am like so profound and wonderful and impactful. And I had no idea. And like, Brene, I'm so glad that you started telling the rest of the world, all this research and this insight that you had, because it's so impactful and incredible and amazing. Um, My favorite was the comparison that was jealousy and envy. I loved that. The, the difference that she drew on between those two, like one is feeling bothered by the fact that somebody has something that you don't. And the other is actually you're experiencing sadness or anger because you're trying to protect something or you're trying to like keep something safe. And that just blew my mind. I'm like, what? what like no that's jealousy like I'm so jealous of that no you're actually envious which is not a fun word so maybe <laughs> check that feeling and own up to the fact that you're experiencing jealousy or you're experiencing envy and that other feeling that you refuse to categorize that's jealousy so it's a great book
0: oh yeah I just she's an amazing storyteller and just as evidenced by what Carol, Caroline just described, just the incredible storyteller and, and uses dichotomy in a lot of ways to sort of compare and contrast intra-emotion, right? So various okay. elements or levels, however you want to think about that uh, of emotion, it's just, it's ripping. I,
1: have you seen her? I'm sure you have. But her YouTube video about sympathy versus empathy? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's my I, favorite. I, we There were so many classes at school where like the first week where we're reviewing our syllabus and you know making sure that you know don't violate the academic standard and blah 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 all that good stuff um there's so many classes that i was in where that was part of that week where the professor would say we're gonna watch this quick video and of course we had seen it all before but i love it i absolutely love it and just that in and of itself right like the difference between sympathy versus empathy especially as being a leader is it's just like it's just crucial just crucial anyway Brene is fabulous
0: she's wonderful oh yeah yeah. we're gonna link her up in the show notes and hope that she responds to us
1: (laughs) she you know so she uh what the so the program that I was a part of we had students that went to go work for her and um Brene actually has oddly enough I don't remember what book it is me oh god I have to go I have to get the notes where so the director of our program and Brene are good friends and she called out the wolf center she has this listed in one of her books it was I know what a dream right what a dream like you want to just say parentheses Caroline Ferguson like you want to just wolf center aka class of 2018 um no I'm just kidding but Brene is fabulous she did so much work with the University of Houston and and was I mean we used to study her in our classes um she's incredible atlas of the heart if you're watching or listening and you need a good read that's not intimidating it's not overwhelming it's not oh, no. intimidating go get it it's so good
0: yeah i i echo that a hundred percent hundred percent anything that she's written is just wonderful and it and motivating and inspiring and anger inducing and, 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 and when i say it's anger good. i mean you almost get frustrated with yourself that you don't you didn't it's like a lot of these like aha or duh or <laughs> those kinds of moments right
1: that exactly just,
0: just elicits in, in her literature it's just it's super amazing um well uh so i i could i can't help like in the, your bookshelf back there there's a book uh traction it's on the shelf oh right yes
1: above. good old traction
0: yep <laughs> tell, tell me about your experience with traction i'd love to hear
1: good question so have you done? Have you done? Have you used anything as uh, within the EOS model before? Or, or I'm sure you're familiar with traction, right?
0: Yeah. So we, I'll say no to your question, except to, to put a little asterisk by it. We use scaling up, which mm-hmm. I think, if I'm not mistaken, it, it, it's Wickman, right? Gino Wickman that wrote. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yes. Gino wrote
1: traction. Yes. And so I have scaling work right by it. I've got. Oh. I've got both. Yeah. You can't see it, but I've got it. I've got the work. Oh, there you go. Yeah, there. Yeah. yeah. So, I don't
0: so our, it. entire, <laughs> <laughs> our, our entire platform is built on scaling up. And I think that Gino was a sort of a practitioner of scaling up, but broke out and did, did his own thing. I, I'm not sure. There's some relationship between Vern Harnish and Gino. And so I think that we follow some of the EOS framework, but it's by way of scaling up. If that makes sense.
1: Yeah, no, uh, that makes sense. Thank you for the clarity. I, I'm familiar with traction because I have lots of friends who were implementers or integrators that, um, helped get the EOS model integrated within small businesses here locally in Houston. Um, you know, my husband's company is trying to self implement EOS and, and so the notion of reading and becoming educated on what traction is has always been important. And I think just a product of the community that I'm a part of, um, I will tell you the the reason why it's on my shelf and the reason why I will gladly hand the book to anybody who wants to read it um, is because I have always felt like my business card should just say jack of all trades. And, and I've never like, and as hilarious and maybe as cute as that is, I don't know. It's incredibly frustrating because I have Always struggled with where do I fit in here i'm I'm willing to do whatever it takes i'm you know I, i'm 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 very willing and I'm hungry and eager and all of those things. I don't know how that fits in, and I struggled with it growing up. I struggled with it in college. I struggled with it my first few years here working with this company, not because of the company, but just because I'm trying to figure out what is the most useful capacity for me to be in and what traction was able to illuminate for me, really just EOS in general. And frankly, it wasn't a product of the book, but I keep it on the shelf because it's affiliated with the whole system. But it was because of my friends who were implementers and who were trained in the model was this concept and this relationship between visionary and, integrator. and I had never heard of that before. I had that concept was new to me. I was not familiar with this notion of somebody being the idea person and then somebody being the, I just get it done. And I just, I'm the, I'm the executor. I'm the, you're my spider and I'm here to kill you. No, I'm just kidding. Um, (laughs) I'm the Mike Brewer. No, Um, I am, but I'm the relationship is my point. The relationship between the visionary and the integrator I did not have words for. I just knew that anytime an integrator was described, the more I learned about, the more I researched, the more I watched integrators work, I felt more and more comfortable affiliating myself with that label and that title and whatever you want to call it. I felt, I felt seen. Um, and I had not felt that, um, I, jack of all trades, master of none does not feel positive to me. It feels very negative because I don't like the master of none component. I feel like I am a master of things. I just feel like there are a lot of little things. Um, so anyway, I keep it on my shelf because of the revelation that was this relationship between the visionary and integrator. And so I've stepped into that role. Um, informally, I've just dubbed myself the integrator, but that's the relationship that I have with the owner of our company, Andrew, and it's provided great clarity for our working relationship, but also our friendship and also for our team and our company. And, and in that way traction has been, been very helpful.
0: I, I love it. I, I've only, I read the book as a result of seeing it cited in the scaling up book. And because we were already been to, to scaling up, we didn't shift gears to sure that. but, uh, but I, I think the philosophies and the principles are roughly, they're roughly similar.
1: They are. I think they, I mean, like show me a business book that says have complete chaos and hate everybody, right? Like it's this notion of having a core value that's not respect. Like the core value is disrespect and dishonesty. Like, you know. So there's I think there's good fruit from all of them. Um I have not read through scaling up yet. I do have it. It was actually a Christmas gift, as dorky as that is. That's what I put on my Christmas list of stuff like that. Uh, my family jokes uh, on that same year I also put a laptop backpack on my Christmas wish list and
0: I believe succulents. So
1: um anyway, I haven't read that yet, uh but I'm excited to. That's why it's on the shelf.
0: Well, I I highly recommend it and I I need to segue toward a club we're coming up on time. Yes, yes. It seems like a weird cut time, but uh, but I I want to leave enough room for you to talk about your business. You've cited it sort of implied, you know, that uh, you're in an office today and you're working for a company and I want you to to have the opportunity to cite the company, uh, tell us a little bit about what you do or what you do for others uh, and uh, anywhere that uh, someone can reach out to you.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you for the opportunity to be able to share this. Um, It's amazing. Like 43 minutes have passed and like but the, I, that's the whole point, right? That's how our relationship was started. It had nothing to do with that. It was truly getting to know each other as human beings. And sure, like, you know, that was always the point. Um, but my company, yes, of course, Southwest Utility Solutions. Um, so, Southwest Utility Solutions is in the utility management space. So, our company does all things as they relate to utility billing, utility data management, utility invoice processing, utility billing, bill backs, um, benchmarking, all that good stuff, water conservation. Um, We do anything in the utility space as it affects a multifamily community. Um, We are um, a national product, so we do billing across the country. Um and I, we work most of the time directly with ownership teams or um, C-suite third-party property management folks. Um, I will tell you that I um, try to uh, manage this fine balance that is within the building world, and that is to be sensitive and aware and cognizant of the end user of all of our products at the end of the day, being the resident, and how Utility billing and utility strategy and management and all that stuff affects somebody's ability to um, come home at night and be able to budget effectively next month. But I am also uh, a big advocate for and very fond of matching that with how do I make sure that my ownership team makes money? How do I make sure that my clients are protected and well taken care of? And and how do I you know balance this? acute awareness for my resident that we're all we're all intimately aware of and familiar with with this need for doing what's best for my customer also and strategically putting them in a place that allows them to um, build on the legacy that is the asset that they're invested in and, and I was you know I I, I I was thinking about it this morning as I was prepping for our call um, this notion of of legacy building and legacy leaving and And when I talk to my team about this notion of intimacy between the residents, but also our owners, legacy comes to mind. When I think of our owners, you don't just invest in an asset because it's fun. And and maybe you discover it's fun along the way, but you don't pour your life savings into a building because it's fun, right? You're doing it to create a legacy. This is generational wealth. This is, there's a lasting legacy here that will affect your kids, your grandkids, your kids, 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 kids like that's there's right. a generational domino effect here. And try to be very sensitive to that. So that's what our company does. Um I still spearhead our growth efforts. Um I straddle growth and ops. Um and absolutely, of course, right? Like that's just that's the nature here of me. Um, but I love what I do. And my favorite part of it is connecting with people like Mike and uh, having conversations like this. Um, this is what I craved. And I just would have killed for five years ago. The the, the newbie Caroline on the scene and who just didn't know anybody and didn't know anything. Um, it was moments like this that I I prayed desperately for and I I wanted so badly was to be able to pick up the phone and say, hey, Mike, I got a question. I need some help. What do you think? Or for somebody like yourself to say, hey, Caroline, I've got a question. What do you think? Or, hey, I'm in Houston. Do you want to grab a cup of coffee? Um, That's my favorite part about what we do. So that's who we are professionally. That's our spiel.
0: And where can people reach you? I want people to be able to connect with
1: you. you, I manage my LinkedIn, obviously, so you can always reach out to me on LinkedIn. Um, I will comment my direct contact information in the comments on this post as well. Um, My email, I manage. And uh, my cell phone number is published just about everywhere. And it is, in fact, my very real cell phone number. Um, And I will show you. Like four hundred, you will see this beautiful, beautiful oh, little almost uh, over here. You call it, you will get me, and my sweet daughter's face will pop up. So please call it, um, but uh, you can reach me at my cell, or I'll include my um, my email address in the comments below.
0: Well, Caroline, it has been an absolute pleasure. I appreciate you investing the time in this today for for myself and for our audience, and uh, I'll look forward to posting this out to everybody.
1: Awesome, Mike. Thank you for having me. This is so fun and I'm so pumped that you're doing this. Uh, We can learn so much from conversations with one another. So thank you for having me.
0: You're welcome. All right. And uh, we'll see everybody else on our next collective conversation.
1: Take care.